And we're recording. Hello, and welcome to All Things Japanese from the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center in Toronto. Our topic today is the 10th anniversary of the Toronto Japanese Film Festival. My name is John Ota, and I serve on the Art Committee and the Board of the JCCC. Thank you for joining us. Our podcast today is inspired by the 10th year of the upcoming Toronto Japanese Film Festival, opening on June 5th, 2021. By the way, you can order passes to the Toronto Japanese Film Festival right now at the JCCC website. It's jccc.on.ca. We're honored to have three special guests today. Our first guest is Chris Hope, the Film Festival co-director. We also have James Heron, festival co-director and co-programmer, and Aki Takabatake, festival artistic director. How are you all today? Good. Very well, thank you. Right. Thank you for having us. Good. Oh, thanks for being here. So many people are looking forward to the Toronto Japanese Film Festival, especially this year when we've been socially isolated. Our first guest is Chris Hope festival co-director. Chris, could you please tell us about how this festival came about and why it's lasted these 10 years? Wow, that's a, a big question to start with. Um, it came about, I guess, out of two different motivations. Number one, the center has an absolutely fantastic 500-seat uh, theater uh, that was built into the new building in, that opened in 2004. So we realized that we had a facility to do something big. Um, we have an absolute uh, Japan uh, movie cinephile amongst us in the form of James Heron. James has always been extremely passionate about Japanese film. And uh, James had originally experimented with uh, kind of an independent, really sort of quirky offbeat film festival called the Shin Sadai Festival that ran up until 2010. And a lot of the comments that had been received, uh, and James could talk a little bit more about that, um, a lot of the comments that had been received up to that point were that the, the, the festival programming was interesting, but it was really offbeat and not mainstream. And people wanted to see sort of the best of Japanese cinema as opposed to the strange, you know, fringe Japanese festival that was part of the initial uh, offerings that we were bringing to the screen. And the interesting thing was that um, the number of people that were drawn to the offbeat version of the initial festival were such that um, anybody with sort of a, a marketing bent would look at that and say, hey, if we're attracting that many people for a, a quirky, strange festival, if we go mainstream, there's nobody doing that really in Canada. There are like usually two Japanese um, film industry uh, festivals. Uh, programs in the Toronto uh, International Film Festival, we have a ton more that we could offer. If we could well curate those and bring them, package them up, bring them to the cultural center and make it a real sort of red carpet gala like atmosphere for that programming that doesn't otherwise have a home, you know, we could really, we could really do something interesting for the community. And, and sure enough, that's what's happened over the years. And it's, uh, it's, been sort of refined over the years as we've looked out into our audiences and, and James and Aki have um, been really good at, at sort of following our metrics and honing 
the sort of the formula to figure out what our audience is like best. And that's how the numbers have grown year, year over year for the last 10 years. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I, I really like the variety of films in the festival every year. There are thrillers and dramas and comedies. And I always, I always like those uh, food films as well. <laughs> it's really, it's really uh, neat when the director or the stars come over from Japan and make an appearance. So I really uh, like what you said about the, the red carpet atmosphere. But one thing actually that we didn't really factor into, into this at the beginning is that it's really become a hub for the Japanese film industry to get Western feedback on their productions, especially when they're very early in the release cycle, um, which makes it sort of a key uh, marketing um, device really for the Japanese producers and directors to come over and watch their films that haven't yet premiered with North American audiences. Like James and I have mentioned actually before watching um, the directors sitting in the audience, they're not looking at the film, they're looking at the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they very often comment on that actually. It's a real oh. um, sounding board they would not otherwise have. Oh, that's really fascinating. That's amazing. I'll have to watch the next time yeah. uh, one of the stars of the directors <laughs> is there. <laughs> Thank you very much for your thoughts, Chris. That's really amazing. Thank you. Our next guest today is James Heron, festival co-director and co-programmer. James, do you have any favorite memories of the film festival over the past years? And do you have any recommendations for films this year? Uh, well, um, in terms of uh, recommendations, uh, I guess, you know, we, in the festival, you know, we try to um, cover a really broad spectrum of genres and we, um, we mix sort of the international film festival favorites and, and art house Japanese films that I think we can um, we have a lot of access to with much more sort of Japanese domestic kind of almost multiplex fare. So that it kind of, um, it reflects both um, the best of Japanese cinema, but also the, the cinema that uh, resonates the most with Japanese audiences. Um, so um, we try to make sure that the, our films are celebra celebrated by critics, festival programmers, but also the Japanese uh, public. And I think one of, one of the things we also do to make it interesting is to, um, we, uh, when we're not doing it online, is we add lots of cultural events, musical performances, uh, martial arts demonstrations and uh, food, et cetera. Um, anyway, this year, um, we, um, I think I could. I would like to strongly recommend that um, people look for the films by uh, the female filmmakers, um, because we have uh, about five films by by women. Um, and in Japan, like Hollywood, I think um, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of gender parity uh, in the industry. Um, but you know, having said that, I think there's some really superb Japanese filmmakers who are women. Um, and we always keep an eye open for their work. Um, and of the five that we have, two um, are by uh, filmmakers who are particularly popular sort of in the international film festival circuit. Um, Naomi Kawase uh, is a favorite at Cannes and uh, TIFF. And her uh, film, True Mothers, is, is really a, a very powerful story of a couple that um, um, adopt a uh, child, but then the uh, the biological mother re-enters the picture. 
Um, also, Miwa Nishikawa is a, a, a filmmaker whose films we always show. Um, she's also an international favorite and she brings a great film called um, Under the Open Sky. Um, and both of these screened at TIFF last year, but it's a great chance um, if you missed them. But I think the real treat uh, for Canadian audiences is the North American premiere of Hold Me Back by director Akiko Oku. Um, it was the Audience Choice Award winner at the Tokyo International Film Festival uh, last year. It's a charming comedy drama that sort of traces the clumsy love life of a 31-year-old uh, office lady named Mitsuko, who, is enjoy who enjoys being single, but fears that life is going to pass her by. Um, and also, it it's complicated because um, we are privy to her inner voice and advisor, um, who she calls A. And... Um, so it's this, uh, this constant uh, going back and forth between her conscious and her subconscious. But um, it, it really, it's really about director Oku, who is, um, she also won the Audience Choice Award in Tokyo in 2017 um, for what could almost be, uh, was almost like a companion piece called uh, Tremble All You Want. Um, and both that and Hold Me Back are examinations of the interior life of a female protagonist. Um, so it's really full of, of, you know, a lot of buoyant quirkiness. But um, if it sounds like kind of fluff from the description, um, it really is a surprisingly poignant and moving film as well. Um, thanks to the miraculous performance by one of Japan's leading young actresses named Non. Anyway, um, Oku is a really fine and smart filmmaker. Uh, and we look forward to following her career and hopefully getting her to visit our festival in person uh, when uh, when we come out of this pandemic situation. Excellent. Well, yeah. that'll be great if, she, if that person comes here. That's wonderful. So thank you, Jay. Yes. You, what else? Yes. Oh, just uh, I guess with, with regards to you, you asked for a memory. Um, and I think that's probably um, one thing that really jumps out for me was uh, in our second year, um, we um, we had a, uh, it was sort of the first year we had a major director. And I think, um, you know, every year since we've seen an increase in the number and the stature of the actors and the directors that come to the festival. But this particular director was someone who I really liked. Uh, I liked his films um, and his name is uh, Daihachi Yoshida. And that year his film won the Japanese Academy Prize for best movie of the year. So we, in we invited him and we we're, dumbfounded that he he agreed and he he came and uh, we had a he turned out to be a really nice guy but afterwards he sent me a letter and he said you know he he, he told me what a what a great experience he'd had and he said you know be just before his film started he was in the office doing some interviews etc and he kind of popped his head out and he saw a lineup of people and he thought oh this is you know this is all right and it wasn't until he got to the Kobashi Hall for the, to the screening that he realized that the lineup he was looking at was the rush line and that the hall itself was essentially packed to uh, packed to the rafters. So, um, you know, he was really happy to, to have his film seen by such a big foreign audience. And he spent about 90 minutes after the Q&A out in the lobby, just talking to individual people. So, you know, to see people really connecting with his film and him connecting with the audiences um, um, and everybody everybody just having such a good experience I, um, 
you know, that's what really does it for me. And that was, that was, I think, one of our early highlights and something I think we've continued to build on. What a nice story. Thank you. That's really great. Thank you. And the film that you were, you were talking about is called Hold Me Back. Right? Hold me back. Yeah, it's. I'm, it's I'm looking really at special. my uh, festival guide right now. Hold me back. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Our next guest is Aki Takabatake. Hi. Festival. Hi. Hi. <laughs> festival artistic director. So nice of you to join us today, Aki. Oh, thank you. What Doc. are some of your favorite memories or highlights during the past film festivals? I think my favorite memory is when uh, actor Joe Odagiri came in 2017, because previously uh, we were inviting directors only, and that was the first time TJFF brought an actor uh, to the Kobayashi Hall, and uh, people got so excited, and uh, there's like, you know, the festival was packed, and the reaction was so great. So that's that's my you know great memory from the festival. That's good. So you're the you're the festival artistic director. Yeah. What does the festival artistic director do? That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> well, like I program uh, films with James. Uh, you know, we decide uh, which directors or actors to invite. Um, and then like kind of general directions of like uh, festival is going and well, how to market and everything like, um, so like last couple of years we had to go online um, and you know, I, we had to um, decide on like marketing for online because it's very different from like on-site marketing. So like and I do a whole bunch of different things. I negotiate with the uh, Japanese distributors for the rights as well. Is there, are there things that um, are different about uh, Japanese films that people in Canada should watch out for when they're watching a film? <laughs> that's, a I don't know, that's a difficult question <laughs> but I, you know like uh, usually when Canadians get to watch Japanese films it's usually like a TIFF or like those film festivals when like uh, they pick only like a handful of films and those films are like they usually go to Cannes and Berlin other film festivals right but uh, TJFF chooses like you know, 25 to 30 titles every year. So like we have variety of films, um, you know, like commercial films to documentaries to animations. So I think it's very unique and people get to learn more about Japanese culture from the film. So when I'm watching the films, I love it when we go into people's houses or we go into their apartments and you see their kitchens and you see the stove is much smaller. And uh, it's just a, a different take, you know, it's just a different take. And what I also like about the films is that they're not Hollywoodish. There's just not this, you know, big, sweet, happy ending at, and, or th there aren't any uh, car chases or anything like, that. oh, there are car chases, but uh, uh, not Hollywood style. What, what do you say, what do you think, Chris? Are, are, are there things that, that people might uh, you think should watch out for in these films? 
subtlety actually that that would be right. the the number one thing um the fact of the matter is that the Japanese film industry probably makes more low budget films than any major film industry in the world. Um, their films are typically sort of narrative driven and, and that's where the subtlety comes in because they're, the scripts tend to be very dense. <laughs> so there's a lot of reading when you've got to rely on subtitles. But uh, after the first two minutes, you tend not to notice those any, anymore. That's my own experience anyway. Um, but it's it's real like honed film craft i guess that's the way i would i would say it um because they don't have the luxury of like 400 million dollar budgets they they have to rely on um on style on uh you know the economy of of um their sets etc and there's just so much more to me like cleverness in in small gestures in japanese cinema Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes you don't even see until you watch it a second time because you know once you know what's going to happen you, you tend to sort of look for things ahead of time and there are all kinds of subtle elements that you miss the first time around just because there's so much so much to take in i think right. you know as well i think often with uh, with japanese films they, the endings are often a lot more uh open-ended yeah. as opposed to sort of tying a real bow around things and i think also and this probably ties to the japanese character um, you know, a lot of Western films um, end with victory. You know, um, there's the good guys and the bad guys, and the good guys beat the bad guys. But often in 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 Jap Jap Japanese films, the happy ending is more based on sort of establishing harmony or coming to a common understanding. So um, as opposed to being built on conflict, often they're built on the avoidance of conflict and. Uh, um, so, yeah, interesting and and sometimes challenging for Western audiences until until the penny drops. <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, thank you so much for this, Aki. Thank you very much for for your comments. You're welcome. And, and uh, James is telling James, you have something else to add. No, I just I think I think Aki was going to tell us about her recommendations. Oh, from the artistic director, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because I have two kids, I like to recommend family-friendly titles uh, from this year. And if we have quite a few uh, titles that are, you know, people can watch with kids. Um, the first one is Yoamushi Pedal Up the Road. It's about high school kids uh, bike racing based on a comic book. It's really good. Um, second one is Honeyworks 10th Anniversary Lip Lip Film Live. This is uh, the only animation we have this year, um, but it's interesting because it's about Vocaloid um, characters, um, singers. So, you know, people are interested in animation or Vocaloid. I think this is really good. Third one is the brightest room in universe. Um, this is a sort of a fantasy. It's really cute. Um, I really recommend it uh, as a family friendly film. The fourth one is School Meals Time Final Battle. Uh, in Japanese elementary school and in often junior high school, they have uh, school meals. So this film talks about school meals. And then I'm pretty sure if you grew up in Japan, like, you know, you, your memory, you have a lot of memory about school meals. So I think this is a lot of fun. Um, and the fifth one is The Devil Wears Juni Hitoi Kimono. 
it's sort of like a, a guy from contemporary era like goes back to like Juni Hitoe uh like back to the history and uh so there's like a little bit of sci-fi like fantasy element but it's also about like him growing up meeting this woman in uh, um in that world um and uh, the last uh, the the seventh one is talking the pictures uh it's about the the earlier of Japanese cinema history uh, when it was silent, we had uh, people who talked about the film. It's called Katsubenshi. So the film is about Katsubenshi. I think it's really interesting. And uh, you have teens. Uh, we have a film called From Today, It's My Turn. It's also based on a comic book. Uh, there's a lot of like fighting of high school boys, but uh, it's, it's basically a comedy based on a, a popular manga. Uh, you know, it's silly, it's goofy, it's really funny. Uh, we also have like three documentaries this year and and they're all like really good for uh, families as well. Thank you. Thank you. And um, all of these will be uh, the list of films are on the JCC website. Yes. So you can look at these again um, after and uh, after Aki has told us about them. So in conclusion, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your memories. I want to thank our guests today. Thank you to Chris Hope, yay. Thank you to James Heron, yay. And thank you to Aki Takabatake, yay. Thank you, thank you for being here. The Toronto Japanese Film Festival opens June the 5th and you can order your passes right now online at jccc.on.ca and that whole lineup of films that we've been talking about is right there. So you can uh, review them there. There are so many films I want to see, but personally, I'm looking for, forward to Sumo, Successors of Samurai. I love Sumo. <laughs> we hope that you've enjoyed listening to the 10th anniversary of the Toronto Japanese Film Festival. Thank you for joining us today. My name is John Ota, and this has been All Things Japanese, from the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center. Arigato. Arigato. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Arigato. Arigato. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>